Latino Stories, Historias Latinas, es un podcast que nace del proyecto de narrativas orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio, con entrevistas en español, inglés, and Spanglish. I'm Elena Fowles. My guest today is Adriana Santos. La doctora Santos is an associate professor of English at Texas A&M University in San Antonio in the Department of Language, Literature, and the Arts. Santos recently has worked in a co-edited anthology titled The Bard in the Borderlands, an anthology of Shakespeare appropriations in La Frontera, and an edited collection from selected works presented at the Mundo Surdo Conference in 2019. This collection has been released this month. November 2022. <laughs> uh, bienvenida a este episodio, Adriana. Oh, gracias, Adriana. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Adriana, tell, tell me a little bit about growing up in San Antonio. Oh, I, I do love my city. Um, soy Tejana, soy Tejana Chicana. Um, I remember being 17 and I couldn't wait to get out of here, right? <laughs> because when you're a teenager, you're just ready to go. Um, but looking back, I really was so lucky to have grown up in a city like this. I feel like when I left it, um, then I really started to appreciate it. Uh, my grandmother and grandfather on my father's side were farm workers. Um, but then they, uh, my grandfather used a GI bill in order to open some gas stations on the West side. And so they were very much like involved in like the West side community and, um, I just am really lucky to feel deep roots to San Antonio. My mother's family um, is from the south side of San Antonio, which uh, some of your listeners may know is where Texas A&M San Antonio is located. Mm -hmm. So it really felt like a homecoming to be able to come back and teach here. It was originally my mission when I went to grad school was to be able to teach in my hometown. And um, it feels like a dream come true in some ways to be able to come back to family. So yeah, growing up in San Antonio is amazing. It was a lot more um, like a small town when I was growing up, or at least it felt that way. And uh, in the past decade or so, it's grown a lot. And um, there are, you know, good things and bad things that come along with that. Um, fortunately, we have, you know, more uh, resources and more um, opportunities for arts and culture. Um, however, we, you know, we also have problems of gentrification and, um, you know, issues like that with, uh, cities that are growing and having, um, lots of different, uh, I guess, growing pains and urban planning. But, um, I do really appreciate the history of San Antonio and, um, I appreciate being able to go listen to live music and go see performances, um, eat the best food in the world. <laughs> right. Adriana, can you talk to us about your journey through higher education? I know you when you moved away, right, for, for grad school. Uh, yes, I was a really young um, graduate from high school. I graduated at 17, and I went to the University of Texas at Austin, which wasn't too far away. Um, my parents still were not sure about me going that far, um, not even being technically an adult yet. Um, and I remember the first year I came home every weekend because <laughs> yeah. I, I really did miss it. 
Um, but at the same time, I really yearned to be independent. Um, so I, I got my undergraduate degree in English, and it was there that I really discovered Mexican-American literature. And I was able to take a class with Teresa Polomocosta, who is an amazing Tejana poet. And through her, I was introduced to Norma Cantu's work, Canicula, and it really um, set me on a trajectory. I mean, I had read The House on Mango Street by Sandra Cisneros. Um, I had even taken a Latina literature class um, by a Boricua visiting assistant professor. And those were both amazing experiences. But when I took that Tejana, it was called Tejana Narratives class, and I read um, Canicula and I read Ansaldúa's Borderlands, it really did uh, change my life and solidify that that's what I wanted to do um, in graduate school. And I applied for a Chicana and Chicano Studies program at UCSB. At the time, it was the very first one in the country for Chicana and Chicano Studies. And um, yeah, I got in and I thought, California, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> it was almost like... Um, like the dream, like the, uh, you know, this golden place of California was like Hollywood and um, I don't know, all, all these uh, um, ideals mm -hmm. in California. Of course, you get there and of course, all places have their problems, right? Right. right. <laughs> um, it was a real culture shock because um, growing up in San Antonio where, you know, 70% of the population is Latino X. Um, Santa Barbara is not like that. Santa Barbara is um, one of the richest counties in the country. It was extremely segregated, um, and I had a much smaller community there, much more insular. It was there that I first experienced um, like racism and harassment on the street. Mm -hmm. um, it was very difficult, but at the same time, because um, I was in a Chicano and Chicano Studies program, I had a lot of um, deep connections with my colegas. Like my colleagues and I were so close, we still are. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's definitely what got me through. I also had excellent women of color mentors, <laughs> which was really amazing. Um, I have a doctoral emphasis in feminist studies as well. So I was very connected both with the Chicana and Chicano studies faculty and the, um, women's and gender studies faculty. And I also interned as a graduate student, um, at the women's and gender resource center. Mm -hmm. So that was an excellent experience as well. Um, I volunteered and then later worked for the Santa Barbara Rape Crisis Center, which was really a leading institution um, in the country for um, for advocacy. And they have a hotline and um, a lot of really amazing programs and educational programs for, for the community, which I also participated in. So, um, yeah, I feel like going to Santa Barbara really opened my eyes to a lot of um, seeing the socioeconomic challenges a lot more clearly um, because while it's the richest place in the county, there's a population of um, people who are working class, mm -hmm. brown people who can't afford to live in the city. They live right outside, but they commute in for work. Um, and it's just a very difficult sort of environment. It's beautiful geographically, um, but for for people of color, you know, you really have to find your your own niches. And um, I think we did that work um, together. We had a lot of uh, support in terms of um, women of color faculty, for sure. 
Was that something that was expected of you going to, to college and going to grad school from your family? Or are you the first one to go through that journey? Um, that's an excellent question. So my mother actually has her um, undergraduate and graduate degree. She went to school to be a social worker and then chose instead to um, become a teacher. And so she has a master's in education. And she was educated right here in San Antonio mm -hmm. at um, Our Lady of the Lake for undergrad and then Trinity for um, graduate school. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of a, a theme. Um, I guess I'm second generation undergraduate. <laughs> um, I have an uncle who is an attorney. Well, used to be an attorney. I have a... Um, have women in my family who are very successful in business. Um, so yeah, I think that I was lucky enough to have some guidance mm -hmm. from my mother, particularly in terms of, you know, applying to college. And although I was the first one to leave, um, or maybe not the first one, but <laughs> right. in terms of understanding um, what it's like to be really far away from your family, that's not necessarily... I didn't have a whole lot of guidance for that. Right. So that was probably the hardest thing. I was 26, and I still was kind of weeping when my parents left um, right. after dropping me off in California. I felt still very, um, maybe not innocent, but uh, maybe a little bit naive about leaving Texas. You know, I don't think I truly embraced being Tejana until I was there. Right, right. <laughs> and that's far. California is far from here. Yeah. <laughs> um, Adriana, you published um, or have published primarily about the Latinx and Chicano cultural identity and literary production. What drew you to this type of research and pedagogy? And I can tell just from your conversation, right, sort of the exposure and your, and your um, interest and journey into higher ed. Um, but tell me a little bit more about how also how you integrate that research into your classes. Well, um I was, I heard this, I heard this phrase at Gemini Inc. extravaganza the other night. Um, I was a word nerd <laughs> growing up and I was really, really into um, reading and, and writing stories, listening to music. Um, I was an only child and so I spent a lot of time like on my own dreaming and Um, making up little dances and mm -hmm. hanging out um, in my backyard with a notebook or a book. Um, and so I, I just have really always been interested in stories and storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I think um, for a lot of times I was reading, or for a lot of years I was reading stories that I could connect with on many different levels, but that didn't really reflect the daily lived experiences of my own life. Mm -hmm. And so when I did read things like Sandra Cisneros, um, like Norma Cantu, although I didn't grow up on the border, I still really felt very connected to um, the stories about familia and culture and um, relationships. Um, and so I think that I tried to bring that specifically into my classrooms. I really want students to see themselves reflected in the material. It's important to me you know, not only to have representation from um, Mexican-American communities, but also to have representation of LGBTQIA stories, to have representations of um, disability justice, um, to understand different uh, viewpoints. 
because um, I think it when students see themselves reflected in the material, then they just do better, they're more invested, and then um, they are inspired to tell their own stories, which I think is the most important thing, that we have more people who are empowered to, um, to tell their own stories and the stories of their family and their ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, you are uh, one of the coordinators of the creative arts and performance studies here at AM San Antonio. And I know this is uh, uh, has been um, a couple years in the making and working and, and through you know all the, the things that you have to do <laughs> to get a minor approved. Um, t- talk to us a little bit about approving this minor, especially as you're you know thinking about how students connect to the stories. This is another way, right, of telling our stories through art and um, and performance. Um, so. What was the interest from, from you as faculty or other faculty and students um, you know, in coming together to create this minor and offer this opportunity for students? Well, we're so excited to be able to offer an interdisciplinary minor in creative arts and performance studies and hope to um, one day offer a major. Um, and I think that we really saw the demand from students and we have a, a, a well um, developed arts program for the core curriculum mm-hmm. already. And um, we have some amazing faculty. And I think that um, because of that, we're able to have these conversations about program building um, in a really collaborative way. Um, our Department of Language, Literature, and Arts is, um, they work really well together and are really responsive to student needs. And mm-hmm. so I think we have students not only in, you know, lower division arts classes, but also in um, English courses and communications courses asking for these types of offerings. And because we don't, we hadn't in the past offered anything in the arts um, to major or minor in, students were leaving here to go to other institutions in order to fulfill that. And I think that we're hoping to retain even more students by um, offering a major in the future. Um, so much of the, I guess, labor market, um, to put it in that way, uh, really values the kinds of um, lessons that you learn from arts programs, from humanities programs, being able to write and communicate and tell stories and work with other people um, and be creative and innovative. These are all really highly valuable skills that don't necessarily um, – they're not necessarily understood in the same way as being valuable, um, like say as a degree in biology or business. And so I think it's um, important for students to understand that not only um, can arts, creative arts and performance studies be something that you're passionate about, but it can also be something that, you know, can be um, your calling, your vocation, that you're able to um, to do as uh, being part of your community and part of, you know, your life, um, being able to, you know, support yourself and your family. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what I'm really hoping to do is to 
have these opportunities for students to do things that they're passionate about, um, that they can also, you know, find valuable skills in. And so we're kind of trying to balance that. Right, especially, I mean, it makes so much sense to me uh, being in San Antonio, right, and having a minor, hopefully a major in a few years in creative arts and performance studies, giving the rich um, art scene here locally, but also what you're saying, right, about um, um, thinking how to prepare students more holistically, right, and to go into the workforce and bringing those skills into wherever, whatever they decide to do, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's, um, that's uh, excellent. And I hope to soon be teaching a course uh, on performance here for this minor. Can you tell me about some of the courses that you're already offering? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my favorite course to teach is Mexican-American literature. And it's funny that I put it that way because this is the first semester that we've actually offered it <laughs> in the, um, in under that title. Mm -hmm. So it, it's called Mexican American Literature and Culture. Um, previously, I was teaching um, similar content in a Latinx literature course, mm -hmm. um, which was a little bit more broad. And I um, definitely was bringing in 60-40, um, like 60% Mexican American literature. 40% um, the literature of other Latinx groups, mm -hmm. um, which is sort of kind of like the makeup of <laughs> Latinx populations in the United States. And right. so um, I, I pretty much was trying to give students um, a diverse understanding of what it meant to be Latinx in terms of like a heterogeneity or like an umbrella, but then also to um, offer the specificity of um, Mexican-American culture. And yeah, that's definitely my favorite course. Um, I also co-teach co a course with um, Justin Corver. Uh, it's called Latinx Art Appreciation, and that's a really wonderful course. It's very hands-on. The students work with um, local artists, and they uh, create projects, um, art projects. Um, we're currently working on a project for um, memorializing the victims of Uvalde, the Uvalde tragedy. And um, I believe you've had Bernadette Pena on your podcast right. before. Um, and she's an amazing, amazing local artist. And um, I feel very fortunate to be able to teach classes like that that are really, again, responsive to community needs mm -hmm. and um, are allowing the students to be creative and do important work, work that matters, to quote Anzaldúa. Um, it matters to them. It matters to our campus. Um, and it really sets um, sets them up for success in the future in terms of modeling for them how um, they can make a difference. Right, right. Um, so, Adriana, I know I want to talk about this latest collection, right, of the Mundo Surdo um, uh, book that just came out. And I know you have been a member of El Mundo Surdo, which is a meeting that brings together scholars and educators uh, that incorporate the study of the works of Gloria Saldúa. Um, talk to us about sort of your involvement with this conference, but also how you decided to put to together this anthology of collections of, um, you know, presentations and publications from that uh, conference. Oh, I'm I'm so proud of interdisciplinary Nepantla. Um, I worked on it with to come full circle. Uh, Dr. Norma Cantu. Yes. She is an amazing um, mentor and friend and 
I'm just very honored to have been able to work with her in this capacity, as well as Dr. Rita Ukihuruis, who is um, a full professor at Trinity as well and does amazing work um, in her own right also. And I just, um, it was such a learning experience to be able to produce this book with the two of them. So I thank them from the bottom of my heart for everything that they taught me over the last couple of years. Um, we did the um, almost all of the work for the publication in a pandemic. Right. Um, so it was not a standard <laughs> uh, process or operating procedure. I don't know, I guess. Um, but I really feel like they modeled a Chicana feminist um, mentoring and publication uh, process for me that was really, you know, dedicated and um, there was a lot of grace and um, so much um, care with with the authors and with their work. And, um, you know, there was probably a little bit of, uh, it took a little more time than we might have thought mm -hmm. because um, we all had a lot of stuff going on. Um, but it felt really... Joy. Joy, yes, joy. Like uh, fulfilling, I guess, fulfillment, mm -hmm. yes. Um, to be able to put together these particular stories because, you know, anything inspired by Ansel Dua is going to... Um, is going to be complex and beautiful and interesting and deep. Um, a lot of times it's geographically specific to the border or the borderlands. Um, there's a lot of uh, genre bending, you know, there's poetry, there's art, there's um, literary uh, understandings, there's um, pedagogical explorations so it's you know. very it's very um interdisciplinary absolutely like you, like you described it at the yeah beginning. there's theory there's praxis there's even a history of um of uh celebrating Ansaldua in the Rio Grande Valley where she was from and so I think it, it just has something for everyone and I'm very proud of it and I'm very um I feel a lot of pride for the authors and for the storytellers um that are represented in it as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Adriana, what, what are you most excited about this coming year in terms of research, projects, or teaching? I know there's a lot still out there that's coming, like your collection of um, borderline, border of Shakespeare in the Borderlands. Um, which is a two-volume anthology. But what else are you are you looking forward to this 2023? Well, in 2023, I'm hoping to publish a monograph. Fingers crossed. <laughs> it takes, um, or it has for me, taken a lot of time um, to get this particular project together. And it is a um, project that I started in graduate school. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that um, I'll be able to get that out in 2023. Um, it is a collection that focuses on um, literary trauma studies and Chicana feminist writings. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to, you know, incorporating Anzal Duan theory into uh, literary analysis that really looks at trauma. I think it's such an important um, piece of our understandings, especially coming through um, this global pandemic and 
it bringing to light so many important issues that were, you know, always there and under the surface, but I think that have become um, really more visible in a lot of ways um, related to domestic violence, to sexual assault, to um, structural violence in terms of um, racism, discrimination, sexism, heteropatriarchy. And I think it's really important for us to not only talk about um, how traumatic experiences have affected um, marginalized communities, but also how they heal from them mm -hmm. and how um, storytelling can be a pathway to healing in itself. So it's sort of the argument that I make that um, storytelling is one of the ways that communities um, do collective healing. Adriana, gracias por esta conversación. Gracias, Elena. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima.